Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Let's Straight Show. It is Wednesday, July 8, 2020. I am your host, Scott Fullerton, and it's hump day. We made it through halfway to the week, my friends. Thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate you, as always, coming on and listening to our humble little show here. I hope you guys are having a fantastic week after your 4th of July weekend. Things are going well here, as we all know, and I've been saying it all week, that uh, it was supposed to be on a road trip this week, heading down from Northeast Ohio to Palm Springs, taking the show for four weeks of live shows. But because of that nasty little COVID bug, we had to postpone it or cancel it. So I am at home. So we had all these great pre-taped interviews we did last week to set up for while I was driving, and uh, we're going to play them for you this week. So I have two Fantastic pre-taped interviews for you. Plus, I have a session recorded just today with our Pop Culture Minute with our good buddies in Nashville, J&J Buzz's Josh and Jeff. So it's going to be a fun show. We're going to have two great interviews for you. We're doing Music Monday on a Wednesday. That's right. I've talked to so many great musical guests lately that I have two more musical guests for you this week. So we'll talk about that in just a second. If you missed last night's show, it was a lot of fun. I talked to Patrick Hines. He is a podcaster extraordinaire. He started out doing Broadway and entertainment-type podcasts, and for the past three or so years has been doing True Crime. And his podcast called True Crime Obsessed has over 3.5 million downloads a month. He is just killing it. And uh, him and his uh, his audio partner there are just doing such great work. They have live shows now and everything. So we had a great talk with Patrick Hines last night, all about his podcast and his life. He gave some great tips to fellow podcasters out there as well. And then we had the very handsome and very charming Mr. Richard Biglia on. Richard is originally from Brazil, moved at a very young age to New York City to continue his dance and acting studies. He's a dancer, an actor, a model, 
and also a fitness trainer. And if you saw any of his pictures, you would know why. But on top of all that, he is just an amazing guy. And we had a great chat with him last night. So if you missed the show, please go check it out. You can download it at your favorite podcast distributor. We're on everywhere you can find a podcast. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, every place you can think of. Just type in Left a Straight Show and you will find us. And when you do, do me a favor, hit the little subscribe button. That way you always get a notification whenever we have a new episode up and then you can choose to listen to it or not. And if you decide to listen to a particular episode, if it looks like there's an interview there you might want to hear, do me a favor and give a little five-star rating if you have a chance because that will help us get seen in the search engines a little easier and more people can find the show. So I would appreciate that. So that was last night. Tonight, as I said, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to do our Pop Culture Minute. We do every Wednesday with our good friends from J&J Buzz, Josh and Jeff. They are the most adorable fiancés out of Nashville, Tennessee, and they have their Pop Culture Minute for us. They're, uh, they always have their finger on the pulse of what's going on around the country, so it's always great to talk to them. So we'll play that in just a couple of minutes, and then we are doing Music Monday on a Wednesday Two new artists that I've never heard of before that I've fallen in love with now and I'm playing their music all the time. The first up is going to be Ben Hazelwood out of Australia. I interviewed him last Tuesday night, 12 o'clock my time here on the East Coast. It was 2 in the afternoon the next day in Australia, his time. He's from New Zealand and Australia. He was on Australia's Voice and was in the semifinals on that. And just has a killer voice. He is so good. Has a new uh, EP coming out and a couple of new singles off that. So we're going to talk about that tonight in just a couple minutes first. And then my second interview is with a lovely wife and wife couple. They call themselves Unsung Lily. And it's Sarah and Frankie, the most gorgeous voices. Frankie kills it on about every instrument known to man, I tease her. And Sarah does a lot of the writing and just has an angelic voice. Uh, Their Maniac cover from uh, Flashdance is just my new favorite slow jam. It's just a stripped-down version of Maniac. Absolutely gorgeous. I've been played played it twice so far on the show, and I haven't even done their interview yet, but they are amazing. So, yeah, we're going to do those in just a couple minutes. And I did want to go through a couple of points that I had here. Um, Some stuff I saw in the news that I thought was interesting that I'll share with you real quick. Uh, Julius's Bar in New York City, it's one of the oldest bars there in the West Village. It was the site of the uh, 1966 Sip-In protest against LGBTQ discrimination. Um, You might or may not remember, it was illegal to actually be an LGBTQ person getting drinks or to serve them back in the early 50s or 60s. So uh, these they did a historic sip-in at this bar. Uh, the Mattachine Society, which we talked to Eric Servini about last week. And so it has, it's got historical um, status is in the National Register of Historic Places um, back um, in 2016. But because of COVID and the bars being closed for so long, it's in danger of closing down, just like Stonewall was. Stonewall was very close to being closed down until a couple weeks ago, a philanthropist group donated the money it needs to get going. Well, now 
this bar, Julius's Bar in the West Village, is looking for help. So they put up a GoFundMe campaign. The owner, uh, Helen Buford is her name. So if you look for Helen Buford or look under a GoFundMe for Julius's Bar, and that's J-U-L-I-U-S Bar in the West Village, we can save a very historic uh, gay bar in New York. So that's kind of important. Um, also on the news, uh, silly Republican straight people, um, a Republican candidate for U.S. Congress was caught saying that she pulled her daughter out of college for a year of brainwash because the daughter supported the LGBTQ equality. Um, so was, she said in some part of a Tea Party crowd, this girl's name is Michelle Steele. She's currently on the Orange County Board of Supervisors, which scares the hell out of me. She's running for California's 48th Congressional District, so she wants to be a congressperson. And so she was at Newport Mesa, which is a very snobby place in Orange County there. She was at a Tea Part meeting, and she uh, she was laughing with these about, I have two daughters. The first she said is perfect, but this is how she described her second daughter. She said, well, you know, God's always fair, so they give you a little different kid for the second one. And went on to, so she's telling everyone her first daughter's perfect, the second one is liberal, because she liked Obama, and she liked LGBT, and so she pulled her out of school. So any of my California listeners over there in Orange County, um, get rid of this supervisor girl, and definitely do not elect her to California's 48th Congressional District. That is ridiculous. So there's that. And last thing, we'll end on a positive note today. And hey, I got to tell you, if you guys aren't following me on uh, Instagram and on social media, my interns are making some killer videos with some great content right now. And today we put up one of my um, a video by Zoe online, and she's just trying to give some happy news out there. So she put on a little video together of five good news that we heard today. And one of them I wanted to talk about tonight, um, Jean, um, she's, her name is Leslie Hedlund, and she's going to take over as showrunner for the newest Star Wars live action series. So that's that Mandalorian that you know about. It's on Disney+. Plus. She is set to be the showrunner for it, will be the first openly queer person and only the second woman in the history of the Star Wars franchise to head up a live action part of a Star Wars project. So congratulations to Leslie Hedlund. We've got to get her on the show and talk to her about this huge news for her. That's pretty awesome. So that was in our good news segment. But as I was saying, check out the social media on Instagram, at Twitter, my personal um, social is at left of straight. It's always spelled L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R in the number eight. On Facebook, it's the Left of Straight show page. And Scott Fullerton is my personal uh, Facebook profile. You can send me a friend request. But the interns are posting on Left of Straight Radio at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And like I said, they're all doing some amazing videos for me on some great topics. Today we talked about open LGBTQ-owned cosmetic companies that do, do are cruelty-free to animals. We talked about uh, a uh, trans speaker at TEDx that's supposed to be amazing um, that we're hopefully going to have on the show sometime very soon. And just uh, they're putting some great content out there. 
So be sure to look for those things. But let's go ahead and jump into it tonight. As I said, we're going to do uh, start off with little J&J Buzz with our buddies Josh and Jeff out of Nashville. They're going to do a little pop culture segment. And then we're going to play a song by my very first Ben Hazelwood and go straight into his interview. We'll play another song by Ben, and I'll come back in between that and our next guest, Unsung Lily, and kind of talk for a little bit. And you're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Take it away, Josh and Jeff. You are listening to Josh and Jeff on J&J Buzz. Exclusively on Left of Straight Radio Network. Now, live from Nashville, Tennessee, here's Josh and Jeff. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> what up, guys? Hey, I'm Josh. And I'm Jeff. And this is J&J Buzz. Buzz. Buzz, 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 buzz. You know, it's funny. We tried to do a, a hashtag the other day of JJ Buzz, and uh, do you remember you put, like, 20 Zs on it? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> it only takes two. It only takes <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I hope you guys are all having an amazing week. Pride is over. But the pride is never over in our hearts, right? Oh, our pride goes all year long. Uh, At least up in here in this house it does. Yeah, and you're looking mighty sexy today. <laughs> you ain't looking too bad yourself, Mister. Hey, hey, let's hold it. Let's hold it. We'll, do, <laughs> we'll talk about that after this segment. Okay. Uh, speaking of pride, uh, Nathan Ivy. I don't know if you heard this, but he's the Utah County Commissioner. I mean, you may not have known, him, but last year he came out as gay, uh, and well, I guess the people in Utah. They, are, they're not really having. They didn't like that. Yeah, he got he got axed. He got he didn't get reelected. Poor guy. Why they got to hate on the gay man? Well, I don't know that they. You know, we we all say like, ah, oh, they didn't reelect him because he's gay, but he could have just been a terrible county commissioner. True. <laughs> they quit quit blaming it on the gay stuff. Might not have been the perfect candidate for that. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Uh, so what do you got? Okay, did you see the pictures from Fire Island? What? The picture? Oh, all the parties. There was parties. I mean, myself, I don't mind because I got a mask on and... Oh, you're just, you're talking about the, the coronavirus. Yes. Like people, all those people up there and they weren't wearing masks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually saw, did you see the dude that, uh, he went up there. He thought, so he had COVID. He went up there after his symptoms kind of stopped after oh. like eight days. He thought it had went away. Yeah. And then he took pictures and he posted something on his like Instagram story that people were pissed. About. <laughs> he said he would. Didn't he wish? Oh, he oh wished COVID on everybody. everybody. Called them trolls, maybe. Yeah, and then uh, people called him out for that, and he had to <laughs> go back and apologize. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, that's funny. Okay, well, you know Trump's attitude about COVID nineteen it doesn't really sound any different than the. Party well, on Fire Island. Well, what, yeah, what is Trump's new, uh, like, messaging? What he says what? that America should learn to live with it. Learn like it's to just supposed to be normal for thousands of people to die every day. Oh, uh, so they just want us to get numb onto it, so then... I mean, he's <laughs> saying that 99% yeah. of COVID cases are totally harmless. Uh, 99%? Maybe... One percent. That is so dumb. I, mean, I don't think any of it's harmless. 
Well, especially because, like, I don't know, we're approaching 140,000 people dying of it. Y'all, yeah. y'all be safe. Wear your mask. I know you're, like, thinking. I thought those masks look ridiculous, but now I, I wear it every day. Yeah, you do. And I still think you look sexy. And it, people will leave us alone. I mean, that's the main thing. I mean, you can laugh. And can't nobody see you laughing? You can talk about people. Because, you know, you got your, like, face behind the mask. And you're like, hey, look at that. You know, people look at you a little crazy with the mask on. They do. <laughs> well, I look at, you know, people think that they can say whatever they want in that mask. And they just need to, like, go mm. on with it. We got, we got this pepper spray now. <laughs> Y'all, we bought some glitter pepper spray or something out there to protect ourselves. Anyway, uh, we have missed y'all. We are glad that everything is good. Uh, reach out to us on social media. Thanks so much for watching. I'm Josh. And I'm Jeff. And this Thanks, is guys. J and J Buzz. Buzz. <laughs> this was J and J Buzz, exclusively on Left of Straight Radio Network.
That's awesome. And like I said, your parents owned a dance studio. Where did is that how music kind of entered your life through what was happening in the dance studio, or how did music come about to be a passion of yours? I think I, I just grew up with it. My dad was uh, my dad was a, was a singer in, in a band for many years. I grew up kind of going as a small kid, like going to some of his gigs and being in the rehearsal spaces with him and his friends. And so I had that side of it. And then my mum was a dance teacher. So I kind of, you know, hung out at the dance studio and I had a extreme passion for dancing. And then later on, the whole singing passion emerged and I kind of really had to make a decision later on um, when I was about 14, which one I really, really wanted to kind of focus on. And um, it was definitely the songwriting and the um, the power of music and the power of story through song really kind of hooked me. And that's kind of why I went down this path. I love that. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Well, and talk about we're finishing up now with Pride Month here in the States, and I'm sure you guys celebrate it there. Talk about your journey. Where did you, when did you originally come out to yourself, and when did you first feel like you felt your LGBTQ tribe? Where did you find that? Well, I think when I went to um, London, I was moved over there originally to be a part of a boy band. <laughs> it was um it was an experience. It was it was pretty weird. Um, <laughs> there were so many bizarre kind of things. We were kind of painted to be this kind of, you know, One Direction, but this was before One Direction. You know, it wasn't dancing. It wasn't kind of all that in sync kind of stuff. But, yeah, I, I experienced that. And, um, you know, that later evolved into being a part of a band that we signed with and the record label. But it wasn't until I kind of got to London that I was like, Seeing, uh, when I went into Soho um, by myself, like kind of had to ditch the rest of the band members and kind of just <laughs> be like, oh, I'm going to go catch up with a friend or whatever. And at this point, I was like 17. So I kind of sn- snuck off to Soho and went down, you know, that main street and saw all of the gay bars and the kind of atmosphere and something I had never experienced coming from Wellington. It was that moment where like these pubs on... I can't even remember the name of the main street. People will shoot me for not remembering that. But um, and so I've just seen like all of these guys just like spilling out of pubs. There were so many um, people and so many different, you know, there were kind of like drag queens and there was, you know, more kind of like clubs and then there's just kind of more, you know, traditional British pubs and everything. And it was just, it was, it was, it was so eye opening to me being like, oh my God, there are so many people like me out there because I think that I didn't really mm-hmm. have a lot to kind of base that on growing up. I don't think that there were many LGBTQI like plus characters on any TV shows at that time that I remember. I think maybe the first one was like a Nip Tuck, which was a couple of like transsexual characters who, by the way, were painted in a terrible, terrible way on that show. But um, right. it, was, it was kind of, that was all I had really. And so when I got to London and when I like ran into Soho, and kind of was roaming around those streets. I was just like, oh my God, there is, this is a whole community. This is a whole way of living. This is a whole vibe, essentially. And so I got like, you know, super excited about that. And then I think that was when I was just like, all right, well, this is definitely me and I'm definitely, and so that was kind of when I came out to myself. And then I kind of spent the time in London kind of living between these two worlds of, at that point had joined this band, which was, you know, um, a very, it was still like had pop elements to it, but it was a bit more of a rock vibe and doing that and kind of 
dealing with the sexuality side of things and not really sure uh, between the two worlds of going out and dancing to, you know, top 40 trashy pop songs with drag queens and stuff (laughs) and then going back to these recording studios and being, you know, like playing at these like really dingy, dirty kind of like rock and roll kind of venues. So it was kind of, again, was really hard for me to kind of be like, how in the world can I mess these two things, which both of them I loved, you know? So, um, and I had, again, there wasn't many people out there who were doing that either. So, I mean, that's why, you know, someone like Freddie Mercury to me was, you know, my hero because he kind of found a way from what I could see, a way of kind of living in both of those worlds. So that was kind of the the battle that I kind of had to go through and kind of work through myself. So, um, yeah, I eventually got there and um, came out to my family and friends when I got back to New Zealand, like a couple of years later. That's awesome. Very cool. And how is Pride Month celebrated? I mean, you guys have big events there all the time in Sydney, I know, but about Melbourne in your area have you have you performed pride festivals or what do you what's your experience with pride in Australia I've performed at a couple of um yeah pride events around like Mardi Gras in Sydney kind of got involved with it most years but this year obviously because of corona oh no actually no it went ahead this year and then right after that was kind of when coronavirus hit so they were able just to kind of sneak it in right before the end um yeah so they were pretty lucky and i feel like hopefully everything's going to be fine by (laughs) next next year but i mean it's obviously really important i've done a few um shout outs and live performances you know through the virtual prides that are going on especially the ones in the u.s i think i did one for seattle and one for LA as well recently, which was, I was going to say super fun, but then it was just literally me sitting by myself in the room doing it. So it was kind of felt like <laughs> I was trying to, trying to get the, you know, the feeling or whatever going, but it's just, it's not the same, but it is what it is at this point in time. And I think everyone's just making the best of a bad situation. And I think they're doing an incredible job because it's so important that it doesn't just go unrecognized for an entire year because we can't, do you know what I mean? Because I think that, it's really important that everyone feels like there's kind of the celebration of who they are in a really positive way, because I think at times it can get very, very dark. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. We'll talk about how, speaking of that, how have you been dealing with it? I mean, with the clubs closed and everything and no performance places really being open. Have you taken to the streaming? I have a lot of musical artists on my show all the time that are really killing it in the streaming and some people just it's just too foreign of a thing for them because like you said you don't get that feedback from the crowd and get that energy back what have you been doing to kind of keep yourself out there have you been doing any of the streamings or are you just using this time to create and kind of be with yourself well no i've been doing well i've been doing kind of both i haven't i don't think i've gone ham on the streamings. like i think i've kind of i've kind of chilled i've done a few i've done maybe four or five, maybe six. Um, there were a couple of um, late night drunk kind of two in the morning when we were having a party that I just kind of went on live stream. Or actually one of my really good nice. friends, Liv Nervo, who's one half of the Nervo sisters who are amazing DJs, which, yeah. And they, um, she came over after her recording session finished at two in the morning and she grabbed my phone and went on Instagram live. And we were kind of my, um, co-writer and I, Katie were just hanging out and we're all a bit wasted and she was filming it. I didn't, I thought she was just filming from her phone. And then 20 minutes later, I realized that that whole thing was kind of shared live, but 
I think that was that, that was probably the most fun one because A, I didn't know, and B, everyone seemed to love it because we were just kind of, we weren't trying to put anything on or kind of, you know, realize that it was happening. Sure. We were all just drunk and having a party. So, but we I did do a that. few of them leading leading up in and around the um, release of the album because it's just been such a weird time to release an album because, you know, usually I'd be I going bet, out yeah. and playing shows. It's just, it's, I, I don't even know how to, I, I don't know. It just it was a really bad time. But also it's been an amazing time because everyone's kind of just been sitting at home with not a lot to do. So everyone's been super supportive and super engaging in everything that was put forward. So yeah, yeah. it's just been, I guess it's just been different, you know? Yeah. Well, I got to tell you too, I've got, I've told you off air before we started that I've really gone through your music catalog because I wasn't that familiar and I'm in love with your sound. You have a fantastic voice, but I really do like the stripped down versions. We're going to go ahead and play Lay Me Down to close it a bit, but your quarantine version with Katie Carr was like masterful. I just love your stripped down versions of your songs. I think that's uh, really Thank cool. you. That's You're like something that I, I really appreciate that as well, because it's, it's something, I mean, obviously music is my passion and that's why I do it. I don't do it for any other reason apart from being able to create and have somewhere to kind of tell my story and work through everything that I'm going through in my mind. But I think that the one goal that I always set for myself with writing music is that we can build the production up and we can make it this really big anthemic pulsing kind of moment. But then when we bring it down and it's just, you know, keys and vocals, it can still be as powerful in in, the, in its simplicity and in its story. So I think that that's a huge compliment. So I really do thank you for sharing that because I think that we've done a good job if, if the song can be broken down to its bare bones and still be impactful. Definitely. I, I 100% and uh, the Save Your Sorries acoustic. I don't know why. I just love your stripped down version. So just awesome. Just awesome on you on that. So I'm going to do on. more of them now. I'm going to do <laughs> Good. I'll do more. Good. I was the biggest fan. I expect an yes. email, Ben, whenever one's released. I want to be I want All right. a, an Instagram post or an email, so I'm ready for it. I, I have right. you okay, on. Cool. I have you now by little notifications anytime you put anything up. So I'm ready for you now. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Talk, <laughs> talk about your music journey. Where your um, musicality and your sound comes from? Is there any professional training besides with your dad or you just have such a powerful voice it's amazing talk about uh, where your sound came from well definitely I have to thank my dad for my voice because I think his his voice is insane it's always been hugely powerful and very um you know kind of one of those front men of a band that you would you know hear kind of belting it out in a, in a big room and that was his his um passion and he loved that kind of that style so I grew up on bands like Rolling Stones and Queen and um, Janis Joplin nice. who else is there there's just so many more in in that mix um, Led Zeppelin and ACDC and all that kind of stuff and so that's what we would always listen to and it's so funny because when I was younger my dad would be driving me out to um the dance competitions that my mum would have put uh -huh. me in and would be like, would be rocking out to Pink Floyd or ACDC uh -huh. or something on, on the way. And I'm sitting there in a little sailor suit and my tap shoes. And I <laughs> we're love kind of it. Oh my gosh, this, I love like, that. This, this rock 
And then, um, yeah, then I'd kind of jump out of the car and I'd go sing around, you know, um, sing and do a song and dance routine to the good ship lollipop. So um, it was pretty funny <laughs> now that I think about it, the contrast of them. But, yeah, um, he, he really obviously inspired me and, um, and pushed me. And when I said to him that this is what I want to do with my life, then there was no, like, wow, you should go to university first and get a career. Like, you know, he was just like, just go for it then kind of thing. You know, maybe he should have told me to go get an education. I don't know. But um, yeah, <laughs> he's been my, my number one fan. So I think things have turned That's out all right, fan. luckily enough. There yeah, you go. And so huge inspiration and um, definitely where the kind of, where everything came from, where it, where, where it started from. Fantastic. I love that story. That's awesome. I just love the, the picturing you in the car with your dad there. Getting ready to go dance, but now we're going to be rocking away. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, talk about uh, you really started like on The Voice Australia. Um, what made you even think to apply for a singing competition? Was that something on your radar? Was it something on a whim? What brought you there? Well, it was never really something that I had ever planned, and I had seen the shows and everything, and um, I just didn't really feel like it was for me because I kind of feel vocally, I've always, I've never had any, you know, professional training, and all the, um, all the stuff that I do, all, all, all of the music that I've made, from the age of uh, 12, I started writing um, music and I started working with producers and producing tracks and, and I was in bands. So it was always original music and always stuff that I had written. So I never really did a lot of covers. And so therefore, mm. I kind of knew, I had confidence in my own songwriting ability and my own voice in that kind of area, but I didn't really know how I was, how I would ever flip that over to kind of reimagine someone else's song. So it wasn't something that was on my radar, but I was, I was talking to a um, record label in Australia when I got back from London and he suggested that I go on it. And um, so I was kind of like, okay, um, you know, if, if he's going to support the A&R guy from the label is going to support this, then, you know, maybe it, it'll be a good thing. And then I just ended up on the show and I was just like, we'll just see how far I get. And there was really no expectation in my mind of where it would take me and I kind of was just went in there with the mentality of like I'll I'll jump in for as long as I'm having fun kind of thing and then it's kind of kept progressing. <laughs> so that's the way to do it though. I like that. That's very cool. Well it's funny, I I read when I was doing my research on you, I kind of read all my info first and read your bio and saw your mom in the dance and you didn't really dance and then I saw your video where you were where you did your audition video for the voice and first thing is well he's handsome but then I went after that it's like you looked exactly like Nick Lazzarini from So You Think He Can Dance a reality star show here in the state look him up sometime because you look a lot back in the day I mean this is eight years ago right but uh, you yeah. look exactly like Nick Lazzarini is like, wait a second, dance. I think he's punking me or something. This is crazy. <laughs> that voice came out. And amazing voice. The judges, it's the very first year. And so for judges, you have Joel Madden, who ended up picking you, uh, you picked. Seal, Keith mm -hmm. Urban, and Delta Goodrum, who I have to admit, I don't know who that is. Did you have kind so of a choice who you wanted to go with? going into yeah, it? Yeah, so I, I, had a, I had a choice. I, I always wanted to choose Joel because I felt like that was definitely the bit, the closest to what I did and I had always been a huge Good Charlotte fan 
Um, so that was definitely my goal going in was to get him to, you know, to turn around. So, yeah, and that kind of happened. So I was super happy. But just to sidetrack, Delta Goodrum is like Australia's, she was for years, she had the highest selling album of all time until Adele's second album came out. And then, but she's, she has the most incredible voice. She's um, really awesome. So you should definitely check her out if you get some spare time. Her voice is amazing. And she's such a, she's an amazing um, woman as well. Super friendly. I will super do lovely. that. I will check her yeah. out. She, she's beautiful. I, I, like I said, I only saw your audition thing and I, I did see your, your kind of competition with what, what was your guy, Chris? Was that the one you were putting the battle round against or something? <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. God. That was so intense. You were rocking it, but he was, he, you could tell he was like trying to catch up. I don't know. He's, he's I'm sure he's very, he, very good. But there's it's so like, much, there's, there's so much backstory to that as well. It's hilarious because um, it's not hilarious. I felt really awful because, so he had, um he had planned to go on his like, honeymoon with his new wife or whatever and he got through to the battle rounds and then they put the whole honeymoon on hold and they didn't get their deposits back and everything like that and so he was like really fighting for it because he had lost a shit ton of money and he didn't get to go on his honeymoon because he had this opportunity and then so I felt awful awful that he didn't progress any further in the competition and like he was he was pretty upset about it as well so um yeah and it was kind of I, I felt even worse because I'd come into the, the the whole the competition just being like oh we'll just see how far this this gets me you know and no no real big deal and then he kind of came in and he was really really wanting it and then I kind of I mean maybe I should have just sabotage myself in in the end but i mean i no, i definitely never do that hey. but, um, <laughs> but i i felt i felt awful I, I i felt really bad it's such a weird situation to be put in to like because he wanted it he wanted the you know the dream for him was to win that show whereas you my dream was in his just, face dude it was there i know it was intense he was a, he was, an, it, it was a very intense guy but um you know he had all the best intentions but unfortunately it didn't go his way well, you freaking killed it, and and you, you honestly, you were singing so effortlessly, and it made him even try harder, which was like hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. It was funny oh, for God. me watching yeah, it for I the think... first time eight years later. I was dying. I got to tell you, I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Still to this day, my friends will like get drunk and be like, "Let's watch that battle round." Because <laughs> it's like you just like demolished him and I was just like every time I watch it I feel guilty but um yeah it, it, it's quite funny but the funniest thing about that as well is that my dad is in the audience and he stands up at the end and he's cheering and it was with one of my friends Nat but on tv it came up and said Ben's mother and father and then when they oh, aired no. the show in New Zealand <laughs> all of like his co-workers were like oh so you have like a, a girlfriend over in Australia <laughs> like and everyone was kind of talking but mum Mum and dad know her really well, but it was just so funny. So everyone in New Zealand thought that Jeff had like, you know, brought his girlfriend along to the show. And <laughs> but oh, there was a hilarious. lot of like, a lot of things going on in that one performance, which is hilarious. <laughs> I guess. Oh my God. I love that backstory. That's amazing. <laughs> Too much fun. All right. So this goes on and this is a big springboard now. So now you're kind of choosing your path. Talk about where the journey kind of took you from there after the show. It gives you this great platform. Had you kind of in your mind what your voice, what you wanted to do from there? Or tell me about how that how that kind of journey started going. 
Well, I think after the show, it was just crazy. You know, coming out of the semifinals was a bit insane. Like, it was just, it was so busy. We were playing all of these, you know, corporate events and doing all this kind of stuff off the back of a TV show. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just me singing the same songs that I'd sung on the show for, you know, and I got paid extremely well for that. So I wasn't like you know definitely i was happy about it um at the time right but it definitely it wasn't it wasn't what i wanted to be doing um and i think the good thing about having joel as the coach he was kind of like dude at the end of the day this is a tv show like this isn't about your music career this is just somewhere for you to kind of be at and then step off of step you know onto another platform or in another direction whenever you're kind of ready so that was probably the best advice that he gave me so i just kind of ran with it and kind of milked it for what it was at the time, which was, you know, like a little bit of TV stardom. And then, um, yeah, kind of got back into the studio after that died down and just continued writing and um, recording. And I'd just been on that kind of playing gigs in Australia for a few years. And um, then <clears throat> my manager in Australia kind of suggested maybe it's time we go check out what's happening in the US. And um, I worked with really great management company in Nashville, which I was working with up until recently for the past four years. I have done several tours around um, the US, played a lot of different places and played, you know, gone into a lot of different radio stations over there. There's been heaps of support and a lot of love for what I'm doing, which I'm really grateful for. And um, yeah, it's kind of riding that wave at the moment. I kind of thought it was time that I released a, an album. So I've released my first album a couple of months ago. Well, that is awesome. Congratulations on that. And I, and I like the progression of it. Very cool that I read in your website. I think it was just an amazing quote. It's kind of music allows me to confront my truth. Even if it's sometimes uncomfortable truth, because in the dark, the fear is my symphony. That's freaking poetry, my friend. I love it. <laughs> um, Music for me has always been um, some sort of catharsis, you know, cathartic um, situation that I can kind of really work out what's happening in my life. When I was 14, my brother, um, uh, he passed away from suicide. I really I'm didn't sorry. know how to deal with any of those emotions, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. And so it really didn't make any sense to me. And it was really, really very difficult for our entire family. And um, it's kind of very hard to kind of, when, when so many people are affected by such a traumatic loss, it's very hard to kind of lean on anyone else, you know, um, in your family, because everyone's sure. going through it in their own way. So I think that it was a very like upsetting time and very kind of confusing. So I think the only thing that I had was music and that was the only thing that I could really make sense of any of it and kind of put the emotions onto page and then into music. So um, that was really where, when I started writing and that has been the main reason why I've continued writing. And I think is the main reason why I'm so in love with, with music and creating and kind of being able to express myself that way. And it's kind of gotten me through some extremely dark times and it's kind of you know sometimes it's actually depressing I, I remember one time I was playing a show and I was singing the lyrics to one of the songs and I just started crying on stage and I walked off stage because mm. I was just like holy shit like that just it just hit me then why I wrote that you know two years ago or three years ago and it's very, right. very powerful just for my own kind of mental health to be able to do that and I think that just hearing people who have listened to my music be able to either relate or 
pull the music into their life and kind of make it about something that I never thought the, the song was about, but make it about something that has been able to help them. So, you know, that's the best part of being able to write and then also to share um, what I'm what I'm doing because you know it's I if I feel like I can help people and help people express sad situations bad situations happy angry you know any kind of emotion then I feel like that is a real like blessing that I'm able to kind of put that out there in the world definitely well, I'm so sorry about your brother talk about your songwriting style are you more of a melody first do you hear the music first are you a lyric first or just really depends on the song usually i'm more melodic driven and it's usually fueled by some sort of emotion and i kind of will come up with a melody and then the lyrics are terrible at the beginning like i mean if you went through my phone (laughs) and listened to the voice notes you'll be like is this some sort of weird mix of Klingon and Dothraki or something <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, it's inaudible. You couldn't even write it down. It's so, it's so bad. So it's definitely like a melodic process and then kind of coming up with a really strong concept from, you know, of structure of, of the song and then working with, you know, um, my really good friend, Katie Carr, who co-wrote Lay Me Down With Me. And we kind of get together and kind of come up with the structure of of the song. We really kind of hone in on the lyrics later because I feel like the storytelling is so important. And that's one thing that we take pretty seriously. And so we usually have separate kind of lyric sessions where we're just both sitting on our phones on the same, you know, note typing back and forth. But recently we were really pumped about a song and my manager was over and I said to her, oh, we've got this amazing song. And so Katie and I proceeded to play. And I don't know why we did it. I had to call her the next day and apologize because I was like, I don't know what I was thinking. But we played the whole song, the whole three and a half minute song from start to finish. And neither of us knew any of the lyrics. And so we're kind of just making up this like random, like <laughs> random language in our head. And Katie was harmonizing to me um, in the choruses and stuff, but we had no lyrics. And <laughs> my manager was just sitting there like, what is going on? Like, it's, I love it's just that. so, oh my God. so bizarre. But we're so pumped about the melody, but we didn't even have any lyrics. So sometimes, you know, you just kind of have to roll with the vibe, I guess, if it's good. Oh, that is funny. Well, talk about, I mean, this album, I want to talk about Bloodline. Debut album, it really is, from what I've read, a journey of yours in songwriting albums are so hard anymore music is so weird now with streaming and it's hard to tell stories anymore and that's what an album really does is tell a story talk about the importance of you to bring in this to light and the journey you went on creating it so i think that yeah that the, the whole situation with streaming is so bizarre now because everyone has said just do singles and just release one single every six weeks and so last year right. i did that and it was kind of well, it was probably not six weeks. It was probably every eight weeks or nine weeks or something like that. But it was just very, because um, we wrote all of the music at the beginning of the year and then just, it kind of just drip fit out through the year. And it was just very, for me, it wasn't as exciting as releasing a body of work because there was no common thread. It just kind of had its, their own lives. So I definitely didn't want to repeat that. And I had never done an album before and people had said, oh, you don't need to do an album. You're not there yet. And I was just like, well, you know, I don't really care. Uh, it's, it's like that kind of ever-moving goalpost anyway. So I was just like, I'm just going to do an album. So right. I just kind of decided I was going to not listen to a lot of people in the industry's advice, which probably isn't the best <laughs> thing to do, but whatever. And it was it's always been a dream of mine to, to write an album and to release an album. And I, I'm surprised it's taken me this long. I was really like passionate about it. And 
we kind of just got to work on it, Katie and I, and we were writing in Melbourne. We wrote in LA and New York and Nashville and Berlin and London. And um, so we kind of just went all over and we just wrote and we wrote as much as we could. I think we ended up writing about 50 songs and from that wow. we chose 10. So it was, it was an amazing experience. But the moment that we knew the kind of direction that we wanted to go with the album was when we finished writing Lay Me Down in LA and we kind of both walked out of the studio and then we're on the street waiting for the Uber and we're kind of like just jumping up and down, like hugging each other. <laughs> like, because I think at that point, we definitely knew that we had the lead single and we knew we wanted to kind of base the whole album around that. That's kind of where it all kind of came from, the inspiration, hence why we released it first. And I think the the, the album and the journey that we kind of wanted, that I wanted to talk about was how, you know, music has been so much a part of my life and how it has helped so much of me become stronger and more aware of my mental state and more in tune with everything that's kind of going on with me and then therefore the world as well. And also it's kind of like a little bit of a, it's a reflection of looking back and kind of seeing where I've come from and that how that journey has affected where I am now. And that's kind of the story of Bloodline in a nutshell, I guess. Like I said, I've fallen in love with your music over the last five days while preparing for this. I'd probably play every song about 10 times a day. I just go through your entire Spotify yeah. playlist. And it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm having have fun listened, with it. Have you listened to Louder Than Thunder? That was the next one I was going to talk about. I love that one. Oh, okay, it's cool, cool, cool. one that feels stripped down, too, because it starts out with just the piano and everything. And I, I like yeah. I said, I kind of like the stripped down ones, but talk about that, what that song means to you. Well, I was just going to share that kind of story because that song was actually like my wedding present to my husband. So on the day, on our wedding day, I kind of got up in front of, you know, we had 300 people at the wedding and I got up and sang that to him at, in the middle, instead of kind of, I did a speech, but straight after the speech, I was, I was like, you know, it's better if I just actually sing. So I wrote that for him. So it's like a very special song for me. I think that we, we had so many different versions of that um, produced. It was never right, but we finally got there with an amazing producer, um, Tim Randolph in LA. And um, I'm just like, I'm super proud of that track. I think that that's one that really is, uh, it just always has like great memories for me. And um, it's exciting for people. I think it's an exciting like song because I think it is so uplifting and positive. Yeah, I, I, that place definitely has a special, that song has a special place in my heart for sure. That's an awesome story. No, I love that song. Like I said, I love the acoustic of Save Your Sorries. I just, I, I could tell you, I can quote them all to you because I listen to it so much. I, I really enjoy it a lot. That's awesome. I'm so glad you like it. Thanks, thanks for listening and, and bumping those Spotify numbers up for me. I appreciate it as well. No problem. That's That's my job and I like it. So, no, it's very cool. I, I enjoy every bit of it. Well, talk about now, you said you've been out to L.A. and stuff. When, how, I know you did like a Fashion Week thing. You've done, I didn't know you've done such extensive touring of the country. When do you think you might come out again to the U.S.? Hopefully sometime before 2067. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, now. will I ever, because I have so many of my great friends are, you know, in the U.S. after spending so much time there as well. And I'm just like, will I just never see you again? Is that what's happening right now? You know, and we're all like texting and FaceTiming, but it's just not the same. So 
I mean, I can't wait to get back over. I just, yeah, definitely next year. We had a big tour kind of planned to promote the album and stuff this year. And obviously that went out the window. But I think it's been really great kind of just releasing the music and kind of trying to get as many people to to listen to it as possible so we can kind of go out next year, hopefully. I mean, I've seen a few people releasing like tour schedules for next year. I mean, maybe it's a possibility, but yeah, I'm just not sure. I hope that next year is just filled with live gigs and drunk times and good parties. There you go. Fingers crossed on that. Well, you and your husband have to come have a cocktail over here with me sometime. That would be amazing. Yeah, for sure. Fantastic. Well, I got to tell you, Ben, it's been a pleasure getting able to talk to you. Congrats on on this album. I just think the music is fantastic. And what are you kind of working on now, now that you have this uh, release? Do you feel like this is just promotion time or are we still in serious writing mode or what are we doing right now? Well, we've just, we've just been um, hanging out in Byron and there's some amazing musicians up here and some really amazing recording studios. And so we've just been going in and kind of working on some new stuff and, you know, kind of, we are actually working on a couple of stripped versions from the album itself we're just kind of fleshing some ideas out, but I want to release something again later on this year because, you know, I've got this, all of this is just kind of like, you know, all this time on our hands. We've just been writing like crazy. So maybe like a little follow-up, I don't know, but um, yeah, we're just kind of continuing writing, continuing recording. So we've got like the best music that we could possibly write, you know, out there. I think I'm really lucky having Katie, who's my really good friend and writing partner, um, you know, she's super passionate about writing and she loves it as much as I do. So it's kind of like what we do for fun. We're just kind of spending this time doing that at the moment. Nice. Well, like I said, I do love the uh, version, the quarantine version you did. So I got to kind of meet Katie virtually there through that. Pretty amazing yeah. stuff. <laughs> so excited for you, my friend. Tell everyone where they can find your music, where they can find you. Out. Your website is phenomenal. Give everyone uh, where they can find your YouTube. As I said, over 1.6 million views. Let everyone know where they can find you the easiest way. Is it through your website or how? Well, yeah, through my website, benhazelwood.com. Hazelwood's about H-A-Z-L-E. And then all of my YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook are just all at Ben Hazelwood. Same thing on Spotify. So super easy. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, you're going to have to put me on speed dial. Next thing that comes out, we're going to have to have you back on the show. And I, I would, would love, love that. to promote anything I can, you let me know, okay? I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks for being on the Left and Straight Show. Stay on the line for me, Ben. Guys, we're going to play out to the aforementioned Lay Me Down. You're listening to the Left and Straight Show right here on the Left and Straight Radio Network. <laughs> Holding out for everything that I've been. The pull is strong, surrendering into it. Reaching out and naming truth To be with you is my only desire You're everything I need Feeling hollow again Too weak to pretend But I know I'm still breathing As I break all the faults To faith anymore I still need you to break in I need a night Need a night of whispers Come let me
for Ben for uh, letting me talk to him at midnight my time two in the afternoon the next day his time Uh, great interview and excited to listen to more of his music so go check him out Uh, then we're going to get ready to go to Unsung Lily here again Sarah and Jackie amazing singer songwriters Uh, Jackie as I said earlier plays lots of great instruments Sarah does a lot of the songwriting and they both have amazing voices and we're going to talk to them here a little bit thank you to my intern i believe this was zoe or loviana that uh was able to arrange this interview for us so that was great and i got to give a big shout out to david as well my intern that's been editing all these interviews for me for today so i got co-producers galore with my fantastic interns going out there so let's go ahead and get to it shall we we're going to talk to the lovely and the talented Miss Sarah and Jackie from Unsung Lily. Take it away, ladies. Let's do a little song first. Give me all you have, but I'm still breathing. But I hold on to the end. We can fight all night, but I'm still breathing. Gonna hold on tight until the end. But I'm I'm tired of shallow breath. 
from my next guest and what a long and amazing journey they have flown. They came to my attention from my intern, Loviana, and they were a fascinating story. So I knew I had to have them on the show. They first started making music together back in 2012 with their then boyfriends to a few years later when they realized they were crazy in love for each other. They disbanded the former group and took their talents from the UK to California and the U.S. Now in L.A. and wife and wife, the duo creates some epic and empowering pop anthems and a woman's empowerment point of view. Their message that love knows no boundaries has garnered them thousands of fans around the world, and their mesmerizing videos on YouTube has received over a quarter of a million views. I'm so excited to talk to them today, so please welcome to Left to Straight Show for the very first time, Sarah and Frankie. Ladies, how are we doing today? Hey. Hi. How is it going? Thank you for having me. It is going very well. I'm so excited to have you on. How are you guys holding up in this year we're calling 2020, I guess, if there's a such thing as time anymore? (laughs) We're doing okay. We're hanging in there. We're hanging in, yeah. (laughs) Like everyone else, I think. Yeah. Just, you know, riding the wave, I think, is what we're doing. (laughs) There you go. There is no right or wrong way to do a pandemic, is what I've been saying all the last couple months. So whatever happens, happens. (laughs) Some people are sleeping, yes. some people are creating art, some people are doing all that the first three hours. You just do whatever you have to do to get by. So <laughs> I understand how that goes. Well, I am excited to have people you on. I've been listening to your music, and I'm absolutely falling in love with your sound, ladies. Thank you so much for sharing Aww, all your talent. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, glad you love, like it. We like well, it. let's start with a little bit of background. 
talk about where you grew up there in the UK. Let's find out a little bit about where you grew up and what kind of a kid were you growing up. Sarah, we'll start with you. <laughs> oh, good question. I've, we've never been asked that question, actually. What kind of a kid were we? I was like actually quite quiet when I was very young, very shy. And then when I became a teenager, I just like turned into like the ultimate rebel and had like blue hair and used to like <laughs> wear the craziest, craziest clothes and run around the streets chasing fairies because I told everyone I believed in fairies when I was like 16. So I was, I was a bit of a crazy kid. <laughs> and I grew up in um, I grew up in a place called Guildford in Surrey, which is like just south of, of London. Nice. I like it. And what about you, uh, Frankie? Where did you grow up and what kind of kid were you? Well, I grew up in the West Country in England, which is kind of like, it's like lots of countryside, and I was just always outside, never indoors. I was an outside kid, just playing. And I grew up with four brothers. I I was the only girl, and I was just like, yeah, very sporty and trying to, like, prove myself, I guess. Mmm, <laughs> gotcha, I understand. And she had the best music taste when she was a kid, like, all the other kids were listening to like Spice Girls or something, and she had like Carol King on her tape recorder. And oh yeah, Carol King and my red tape player. <laughs> I like it. Oh, that's amazing. Well, let's talk about your <laughs> music and the inspiration for it. I mean, Frankie, you play like every instrument known to mankind. Talk about did you do you just pick it up by <laughs> ear? Did you do a lot of training? Talk about your foray into uh- music. Well, I kind of just, I didn't really have a lot of training. I just kind of um, just pick it up and see what happens, really. I love just just experimenting with, with things. I wouldn't say every instrument. <laughs> I love to try every instrument. No, no. she really can play every <laughs> instrument. But I love, I love like, creating on uh, piano, keyboard, drums. A lot of our songs start with the drum beat, um, just because I just love just figuring out the kind of the beats and then bass. We've been really getting into bass recently, and um, yeah, just just love experimenting with with whatever I can find. Really, I like it. Very cool. And then Sarah, you write these amazing lyrics. Were you always writing poetry and creative writing and everything as a kid? What was your foray into music? I did used to write music, but I think. I had a bunch of experiences as a kid where I kind of lost confidence with it. So by the time I got to like my sort of late teens, I'd kind of given up on that and I just was a singer. So I was a professional singer for quite a while and everyone kept saying, Oh, you must write music. And I was like, no, I have no interest in writing music. (laughs) And um, (laughs) they'd always find that strange. And then, yeah, just, one day something just changed and I suddenly just had this like crazy urge to start writing lyrics and writing songs and it, I, I just couldn't I- ignore it. It was weird. I think it was like the the things that knocked my confidence before maybe had kind of blocked it for a while. Something just got unleashed and then I <laughs> just couldn't stop. So I, I guess I came That's quite fantastic. late. Really. I love that though. Very cool. Now you talk, I wanted to know that you were saying Frankie that the drumbeat starts at do you guys tend to come from the melody first before the lyrics match it, or is it kind of a 50-50, or do the lyrics come first and then uh, Frankie creates a beat to it? Well, Sarah gets angry with me when I, if I'm just kind of creating a, this piece of music and I like to sing a melody over whatever I'm doing. 
Sarah gets angry with me if I create that without the lyrics first because she's left with <laughs> having to write these lyrics to stuff like blue skies or something. And she's like, it sounds like you're saying blue skies. And I'm like, just just ignore it, just ignore it. But she's like, yeah, I think I just love writing the melodies first. But I, what I really love is, is uh, when Sarah writes the lyrics first and then I get to play with play around with that a bit yeah it's hard because she'll start like randomly singing these words and I'm like it's really hard to get past that then and I'm like how am I supposed to write lyrics about this random phrase that you've just <laughs> just, just kind of like <laughs> fallen out of your mouth <laughs> yeah so oh, I that's like sometimes she comes out with like all this wisdom that I'm like oh you know you know like she's just making up and not thinking about it but she'll come out with some really like wise phrase and I'm like ooh, let's <laughs> let's go with that so it works sometimes. There you go. Keep a tape recorder on her just in case. You never know when a pearl's going to drop, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk about this cosmic meeting in 2012. What kind of band was this you guys started? How did you guys meet? So the band, originally it was um, like a, four, a four-piece band with me and um, one of which was uh, my boyfriend. <laughs> and then we were like about to go and do our first photo shoot with the band and we'd done some studio sessions and stuff before and we were just like about to start putting together all our you know our promotional stuff and I think it was like the day before and we'd been talking about getting a keyboard player in but we didn't know who and then suddenly on the day before I was like oh my god Frankie because we'd met through um, my sister and I knew she was an amazing 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 musician and singer so I was like oh my god she could play keyboards and she could sing and I got all excited about it but I kind of just text her and I was like do you want to be in this band? Only thing is, the photo shoot's tomorrow, so you'd have to come to that. And she, luckily, was just like, okay. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, so she just turned up at oh, the photo funny. shoot. And um, we got all these photos done, like, barely knowing each other. And luckily, a week later, we started writing songs, and it, you know, it worked pretty good, and our voice I had just sounded good I hadn't, even heard, I hadn't even heard any of the music. No. Or I didn't even know if it was any Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. I <laughs> yeah. love that. And what, uh, how long of a period were you guys working together till you kind of started thinking, I'm liking this girl a little bit? <laughs> I, I'm still working it out. <laughs> I guess it was like over a couple of years. We just, I think when you're in the band together, you spend so much time together. And right. there's a, a lot of kind of bonding that happens. There's an interesting bond that, Obviously. You, yeah, that you don't really get anywhere else. Yeah, it just kind of happened very slowly over, over time. Gotcha. And then who was the first person that kind of had that aha moment and maybe said to themselves, this might be something a little bit more? I think there was a lot of vodka involved. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we have vodka to thank, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd say it was a, right. a mutual thing. I like that. That's very cool. And so you decided <laughs> to make the big move over to the U.S. What kind of brought that on? Just for like a clean break or for you're trying to uh, just where music was heading at that time where you thought you would be best served or what brought you over to the States? You know what? It was crazy. We were um, at home one night having a bottle or two of wine and, um, we decided kind of <laughs> drunkenly alcohol seems to take us to the best places um we decided <laughs> drunkenly to um 
to go to Hollywood to this um, conference for this. It's called Sync Summit. It's like a a conference for um, the sort of music industry, TV, film, for uh, getting your music placed in in films and and, and commercials and stuff. We just like randomly decided to book it that night and stuck it on a credit card. And I think we woke up the next morning and were like, "Oh my god, we're going to LA next week." <laughs> and um, so we came. <laughs> yeah. So we did it, and we came out for a week, and then we were there. Um, you know, literally on the first night performing at this conference, and we met a bunch of people, and we met um, a producer there called um, Wayne Bourne, who um, used to be in Earth, Wind, and Fire, and he was like you know, you guys should come over to America and I'll mentor you. And and we were like, no, we couldn't do that. But then we went home and <laughs> things kind of fell apart with the rest of the band and it was just us suddenly. And we were like, do you know what? We could just do that. So so we did and we ended up here and we love it. That's amazing. And that's a great first start for that conference because you guys have had like seven songs placed, I think, in movies and a couple in trailers. Talk yeah. about that experience. That's got to be pretty exciting. Yeah, it is really, really exciting. It's like, there's, it's kind of, there's nothing like it, like going to see a movie, um, you know, at the, in, in the, at the cinema and like seeing, hearing your song come up. It's the strangest, strangest feeling, but just amazing. And it's, it's definitely something that we're really passionate about. Like we really love how music works to picture and, and what it brings to films and stories and stuff. So yeah, it's amazing. That's fantastic. And Frankie, where did the name come from? Where's Unsung Lily? Well, I will have to let Sarah answer that one because it's part of her family history. Yeah. We were talking about putting the band together. I was going through a really kind of geeky moment getting into my ancestry. I was trying to figure out where my creative side came from because a lot of my ancestors are like business people. Um, But I did find this one, um, my great-grandmother, and she was called Lily, and she was an artist and a musician, very talented, but, of course, like everybody in those days especially women she didn't really get a chance to do anything with it and she spent her whole life being a dedicated mom and wife and was very kind of sad that she never got to do anything with it and then one day she came home and found her husband cheating on her and um, apparently Mm. she died there and then of an asthma attack just from the shock from the shock Um, but people say she died of a broken heart and when I heard that story I was just so touched by it and I thought what an amazing tribute to her to name the band after her unsung lily you know she never got to sing her song and it's kind of representative of, of a lot of stories of, of women in the past as well so oh that's beautiful and tragic all at the same time i love that oh my yeah. god fantastic yeah. that you're Thank able you. to yeah. create that art out of that such a tragic circumstance that is amazing i love that yeah and Very it feels like we're kind of flying the flag for her too which is cool i bet sure well, yeah. you've done such cool things. I mean, you've traveled all over to different festivals through UK and around, and you. I, t- I want to really talk about this uh, 12 songs in 12 month challenge. That's a lot of work. People think that it, artists drop songs every time they turn around, but 12 songs in 12 months is actually a challenge. Talk about what made you guys decide to take that on and what was some of the rewards for it and what you find kind of tough in it. It was really a challenge for us, I think, because before that we hadn't really released. It's been a while since we've released something and we were like, what can we do that, you know, really, you know, keeps us present and working hard. And so we came up with this, you know, releasing a song a month, which in the beginning we were like, 
oh yeah, how hard can it be? We're just, you know, a month's a long time. <laughs> you just, but I think it got to like third month in, and we were like, wow, this is <laughs> this is kind of hard because every month we had to release. Not only do you just release, you know, write, record, release the song. We had to come up with the video concept, and then also things like lyric videos. Everything that comes along comes with, um, you know, the re- releasing a song, and we were doing that right. every month. Usually, artists would will do it, you know, work six months and then release a thing at the end of it, and then that that kind of runs for eight years sometimes before they release the next thing. So it's kind of it was amazing for us to it was amazing for our work ethic. You know, if anything else, it got us off our asses. <laughs> yeah, you have to be disciplined for something like that, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> you learn absolutely. a little bit of discipline. Yeah. Goodness and gracious. And also, it was great for our, for our songwriting as well. It just, along the way, just everything just got better and better and better. It was a fun experience, fun and challenging yeah. experience. It was good as well because it pushed us to, like, finished stuff because I think before then we'd got into this sort of routine of like we'd create a song and we'd love it for like 10 minutes and then decide that we didn't that it wasn't good enough and we wouldn't put it out anywhere and I think that's a really common kind of creative cycle and if you don't push past that you can push past it and realize that actually it is good and but if you don't push past that difficult phase of like not believing in it then um, these all these amazing songs just go to waste so it was really good for us to just have to push past that that moment and, and, and get out into the world and then realize that it, you know, that it was worth working on and all of those things. I got it. Well said. I love that. And the good thing is you were able to turn it into an album. So that's not as hard once everything's put together, leaving good enough alone. You decide to put two more bonus tracks in there. Did you write those from scratch as well? <laughs> or did you have those laying around? No, those, those were written towards the end of that process. They were the, probably the last two yeah, songs that we'd written, so they were brand new. In fact, every song we wrote on that along the twelve months was brand new every month, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. We didn't have any like in the back catalogue that we pulled out. It was all, it was great because it was like a snapshot of the year as well. So lyrically, there was a lot. It was it, it was around the time when like politically there was all sorts of things going on. So the lyrics kind of went with with all of that and and took us on the journey of that year. So it was cool to be kind of doing it in real time. Nice, I bet. Well, and the lyrics, like I said, they're so powerful and they're empowering. Do you have any kind of a goal in mind? Do you have a thought or do you start with maybe a title of a song or a thought before you start writing, Sarah? Or how does that process work for you? It varies. (laughs) There seems to be a gardener outside of our window. Can you hear hear that? No, you're good. You're good. (laughs) Is it good? Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, it varies. Um, It tends to be like I'll be feeling the rumble, I call it in my head, I think, about something. So, like, I'll start to kind of feel an emotional response to something that's going on or something that's happened, and I'll kind of, like, rumble with it in myself for a little while, and then I'll probably write out a whole bunch of ranting about it. And then once I've ranted, I'll kind of then write the lyrics from a slightly kind of a place of having ranted and getting to kind of a higher perspective about it. <laughs> That's generally how it works. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'd do it that way rather than start with a title. Gotcha. I think that's so amazing. I was watching your videos. Your videos are gorgeous and they tell the story of the songs. Talk about laying those out. Do you guys kind of come up with your own 
thoughts on that? Do you work with different art directors or do you guys create the entire concepts yourselves? Most of them we've done, we've created with our, um, he's actually our hairstylist called Mike Bonner. And he's been doing our hair for like forever, ever since we came to LA. And um, we just have a really good creative connection with him. And so we started making videos with him and it's great. We have like a bit of a interesting kind of sixth sense with it, with it all. So like, usually it starts with like, we'll hear, we'll, we'll, as soon as the song gets made, like we'll start to just kind of get a vision of what we want the visual to be. And then usually I'll like tech Mike and he'll be like, oh my God, I've been thinking the same thing. <laughs> and then he'll go, and I thought maybe we should have this. And I'm like, oh my God, that's what I thought too. And we have a bit of a, bit of a strange kind of a sixth sense connection um, with it all. So um, that's how we've created most of them, just literally the three of us and mostly just shot on an iPhone and like very kind of uh, grassroots video making. <laughs> but um, we have a lot of fun doing it together. The key is I like to it. find, you might have noticed a lot of our videos are outside. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I think if you can find somewhere like out out in nature somewhere that already looks amazing, then you can you can do a lot with an iPhone. Yeah. And it's kind of perfect. We, I mean, I get really, really inspired by kind of nature anyway. And when I'm writing lyrics, I'm often like climbing up mountains and <laughs> writing lyrics. So um, shooting the videos in these amazing nature spots kind of fits us really nicely. Yeah, they are gorgeous. One of my favorites was I Am. It was very much kind of in sync, no strings attached. That was kind of a fun one, too. I just <laughs> liked the – it had such a powerful message listening to it, but it was just had that funness of kind of like the in sync vibe to it. I thought that was kind of fun. Very, very, yeah, very good. Yeah, I don't know about that in sync thing. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that was when we got a green screen, and we were kind of uh, playing around with the green screen idea. <laughs> It was fun. I liked it. And I love your cover of Chandelier. I have to tell you, but I, like I said, I went down the rabbit hole. I listened like every song twice. I fell in love with your music. Your cover of Chandelier was fantastic too. Between the two of you, it just your vocals mesh so well. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We're lucky with that. Like it wasn't planned, but we when we first sang together, we were like, ooh, it's like we've been made to sing together. <laughs> it could have been terrible. Go. Yeah, it could have been awful. <laughs> That's true. We would have had a whole different story to tell, each of you separately, I guess. I don't know. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really enjoyed your lockdown video cover of your Queen of Tomorrow with all these great videos sent in. Talk about that project and how that came together. Um, yeah, that was that was uh, an amazing thing to do. We um a friend of mine who I actually studied with in uh, in England is this amazing producer and he was like hey, can I just, like, remix one of your tracks? And we were like, sure. And, and so we were like, Queen of Tomorrow. And then so he made this incredible remix. His name's Dom Meekins. And then we were like, well, we need a video for it because we've got to get it out there. It's just, like, it's just this fun video. We were like, what can we do? Everyone's at home. <laughs> like, we can't, <laughs> can't, like, go out and sit anywhere. That we're just like, well, let's just get a bunch of people to go crazy in the houses to this to this song so we just asked everyone in the video we know so it's, it's kind of like we have like a personal connection with everybody so yeah they did a great job we just we they just sent in their amazing videos of them just being creative and whatever we didn't we didn't really say what they had to do we just said look here's the song do whatever you want to do and then send us the video so um we ended up with with some amazing stuff 
and it, it works really well. Yeah, it's so fun. It was so fun editing it together. It literally just made me smile like all day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. I bet. No, it's fantastic. And I love the original too. Where'd you find those cute little girls? That was a great original <laughs> video for that too, for that song. That was a video that we did with um, a friend of ours who's a director called Nadia Jordan. And uh, that was her idea. So she put a, um ad out for little actresses and went through every single one that applied and tried to find the ones that looked the most like us. And uh, she did such an incredible job because those girls are just perfect. It was very surreal watching that, <laughs> watching like little mini actors. <laughs> it was. It got into character as well. Which yeah. Was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun making that video with them. That is so cute. I love it. Well, let's talk about this next project. You were hoping in 2020 to put an album together and kind of make this in partnership with your fans through Patreon and everything else. Talk about your goal for this album and how it's coming together. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been through such a crazy time, like everybody with with all of this kind of um, the lockdowns and quarantine and now are in a place where we're, we're kind of like out in the middle of the desert, which ironically is where we wrote our first album as well. We've um, we've moved in with with a friend and living out in the middle of the Coachella Valley. It's just the most incredible, like inspirational energy out here. Like the desert desert lighting and the, and just looking out at this kind of desert landscape. Um, it always inspires us. So we're excited and we're writing a lot. And we're yeah we're taking our fans through through every every process on our Patreon page. So at the moment we're kind of sharing demos with them and having them help us decide which songs to kind of record properly um, for the album and sing the album step by step, which is really 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 fun and, and great to kind of get their feedback. And I'd say our music's kind of evolving a little bit more. We found when we um, when when the kind of the virus hit and everyone was in shock we found we were really kind of drawn to nostalgia suddenly and like just wanted to listen to like old songs and old music and and so we're kind of bringing in more of those kind of older elements into the into the music so there's a lot of kind of influence from like 70s and 80s artists as well as kind of still keeping our kind of epic pop sort of sound but like with with a slightly more kind of old school vintage kind of influence at the same time so um yeah we're excited it's kind of a bit more print versus whitney vibe yeah that's that's what people have said when they've listened to it it's prince versus whitney we like that (laughs) we like that um description i like that that sounds amazing yeah very very cool and it's great to have that fan buy-in early on i mean you have some amazing fans but it is great to do when you work on patreon or work with something like that where you get that buy-in for everyone ahead of time. So they kind of feel part of the process and they tell their friends about it and it becomes viral a lot more quicker, I think. I think it's a great way to collaborate with music yeah. and art or any kind. Yeah, and I think it's a great um, way for them to, to really feel the album rather than just kind of receiving this polished product once it's done. It's like you really get to experience the whole thing of, of you know how, how it grows and how it's born. And I think you know everyone who's on on our patreon will feel like they've been a a part of it and and this album you know will hopefully always have good memories for them and and bring out good 
feelings because of that, because they've been a part of the process. Right, exactly. Well, we're going to finish up with uh, Demons in a minute, but I want to talk more about covers. Like I said, I loved Chandelier. You've done some amazing covers recently with Maniac, putting your own kind of twist on it, a whole little flash dance feel to a couple songs here. Talk about how you decide what kind of a cover you want to take on and how the maniac came about. I loved your take on it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, that, that was literally, I think we'd gone on a hike and we were like, let's do a cover. Let's do a cover today. Also. But really out of the ordinary, like take something that people know, but make it into something just completely different. We got back from the hike and we put on an 80s playlist on Spotify and it was the first song that came on. And I was thinking, this is such a great melody, like literally how, how it happened. So like, and then just from there, went started working on it, created yeah. the, the cover from that. And the fun thing was with that one as well is for some reason, like we've never done this before, but we decided that day that we would um, document the whole process on our Instagram story. So we literally like filmed from the very beginning of like finding weird sounds and weird drum sounds and, and creating the beat and then adding in the chords like every step was was recorded on there and that was a really interesting thing to do because it kind of put the pressure on of like we have to finish this because um, people are kind of watching and so that was interesting and then we made that into a little video so you can see that on I think it's on our Facebook page and on our IGTV now the uh, the making of Maniac. Oh, that's awesome. I like that. Well, let's finish off with Demons. I mean, it's been nominated for a Best Adult Contemporary Song in the Independent Music Awards. Talk about how that song came about and uh, a little bit about that, and we'll play out to that in just a little bit. Uh, yeah, so usually we write separately. So Sarah will go off and write the lyrics, and I will sit and produce the track. Um, but with demons we decided to go a bit old school and kind of just sit in the room together and and that's how it was born really it came up with the i came up with the chords and we both came up with the melody and did you have the words already? i think we i think i had the words already yeah yeah so we kind of it was a we worked on it together which is yeah which you don't usually do yeah um, and we worked in the beginning anyway. Yeah. And we worked with a really great producer who kind of co-produced it with us called Tim Sonnefeld. And this was like the first, because when we did our 12 month challenge, we were very much like recording in our home studio and doing everything ourselves. And this was the first time we've, in ages that we got to like get in the proper studio and use all his amazing old vintage gear and, that was a really cool experience. And then it was mastered by a guy called Howie Weinberg, who has mastered some of the best albums of all time, like Jeff Buckley and um, all the you know uh, the Big Chili Peppers albums and got so many. I've forgotten them all now. Tenacious D. <laughs> so mm, many albums. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, we really kind of collaborated with the best of the best on this song. And, um, yeah, we're very we're, we're proud of it. We loved how it turned out. It's a gorgeous track. I love it. I love the video to it. Talk about what do we hope to do once COVID kind of slows down a little bit, do you prefer traveling? Do you prefer kind of just performing in some small clubs or do you prefer just creating music and releasing songs? What's your preference? You know what? We love performing, but something we have really kind of realized in this time is that we are very homely people and we love just like 
being together and being at home and, and writing music together and putting it out in the world. And so I think that, that COVID has made us realize that about ourselves and that um, that's kind of our like ultimate lifestyle <laughs> is to kind of, you know, hide away <laughs> at home and, and make music together. So I, I think we'll be doing definitely more of that. And we're, you know, we're really enjoying the process of creating the album at the moment. So yeah, a bit more of that. And then, and yeah, we do love playing live, of course, but um, we're, we're definitely homely, <laughs> homely girls. I like it. Who does the cooking? Who does the cooking? <laughs> we uh, do, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we, we, we share it. We share yeah. it. But we don't share the cleaning. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. We better stop there. I don't want to cause a fight on the radio show here. Wait a second. <laughs> That's funny. Very nice. Well, I have to tell you, ladies, it's been amazing getting to know you, Sarah and Frankie. Let all my listeners know where they can find your website, and that's probably the easiest way to get to all your social media, I'd imagine, and your great YouTube video, the videos on YouTube. Yeah, that's right. It's unsunglily.com, and that's Lily with a double L. And actually, just this week, we released um, a little covers EP um, of covers that we've been working on during lockdown, and um, you can get that on our website as well if you check that out. It's just like a free download. Fantastic. That's amazing. Well, Sarah and Frankie, thanks for being on the Left of Straight show. This was fun. Thank you. Thanks for having us. us. All right. Well, stay on the line for me, ladies. I appreciate it, guys. We are going to play Out to Demons by Unsung Lily. Appreciate having them on. I'll be back in just a little bit. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. My demons are so
There you go. We are back. That was Unsung Lily. Wow, guys, such a great episode tonight. I hope you really enjoyed the interviews. I know I sure enjoyed talking to them. Thanks again to our J&J Buzz Boys, Josh and Jeff, for some great pop culture updates. Keep wearing that mask, guys and gals. From over in Australia, Ben Hazelwood, amazing music. Thanks for sharing your gifts with us. And, of course, Jackie and Sarah from Unsung Lily. Enjoy y'all so much. Such great music tonight. We had a Music Monday on a Wednesday. Is your mind blown or what? Four great artists this week. How exciting. All right, guys. Well, that's about it for the show today. Again, be sure to... Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. My Mine is at Left of Straight, always spelled L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight. Facebook page is Left of Straight Show. And my personal Facebook profile, Scott Fullerton. And be sure to follow my fantastic interns at Left of Straight Radio on Twitter, Instagram, and Left of Straight Radio Facebook page. Again, tonight's show, I really have to thank David. He did all of the editing of the interviews with my guests tonight. And a big shout out to Loviana, who uh, brought the great guest of Unsung Lily to us. So, so much fun. I think it was, I don't know if it was Loviana or Zoe, one of the two of them, but they're both killing it in the internship. So thank you so much for that. Tomorrow night, we have a whole new uh, episode for you. I'll be on live to introduce everybody to great pre-taped interviews from last week. Uh, So excited. A couple things going on tomorrow. Stephanie Schroeder, our mental health expert for our mental health minute every other Thursday, uh, had to go back to work because of New York City opening up again, and she does such a great job at a homeless shelter there, her own mental health work that she works on, uh, editing and writing. So she is back at work. So I have a new friend pinch hitting for us. that going to be doing the Thursday Mental Health Minute for a while here, Jacob Talego. He lives right here in Youngstown near me. Has his, He just got his uh, psych, psychiatrist or psychologist degree, Opened his own shop here in Youngstown. Just a great guy. And he's going to have his very first uh, mental health minute tomorrow night for us. So that's going to be exciting to welcome Jacob on. And then two really cool guests. My first guest, if you're a Magic fan like I am, am, if you're a Netflix, Netflix, I don't know why I can't speak all of a sudden. Getting closer to 11 o'clock, I guess, my time. If you're a Netflix fan. Fan. If you're a Magic fan, then you want to tune into tomorrow's show because I have coming on <clears throat> Justin Willman. He does Magic for Humans on Netflix. It has three seasons worth of shows. The Magic is amazing. He is funny as hell, has a beautiful wife and daughter, great ally in the community, and we had a fantastic talk last week. So be sure to tune in tomorrow for Justin. And then we're going to have a great talk with Britt East. He is the author and speaker. He wrote A Gay Man's Guide to Life. A lot of great uh, stories in there. Everything from managing money to just to empowering yourself. And it's a great book. And he practices what he preaches. And we had a fantastic interview. So going to be a good show tomorrow night. Be sure to tune into that. We'll be here tomorrow and Friday. 
at 6 o'clock Pacific and 9 o'clock Eastern Time right here on the Left to Straight Radio Network. Hope you enjoyed tonight's music episode as much as I did. We will see you in about uh, 22 hours. Thanks for calling again. My name is Scott. I'm your host right here on the Left to Straight Show. Have a great evening, everyone. Bye-bye. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.